Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Mike Kegley. We will have Brad Sturdy, Kedrick Prince, and Matt Stevens. We will talk about the Illini 71 to 64 loss to number four Marquette. We kind of found out tonight that Marquette is worthy of number four. We were not altogether certain of that. And Illinois is probably okay around 23. But let's wait and talk to the guys right after this. Are you looking to grow your business? Do that with the Illini Guys Radio Network by broadcasting on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We have over 20 stations, including stations in Chicago, St. Louis, Champaign, Decatur, Springfield, Bloomington, the Quad Cities, Rockford, Peoria, Marion, Quincy, and Jacksonville, amongst others. You can reach over 11 million people in the state of Illinois by partnering with us. Send me an email, mike at IlliniGuys.com, and let's find a way that we can build your business together. This is Mike Kegley. You're listening to The Eye on the Illini. And, of course, here we have Brad Sturdy and Matt Stevens after Illinois loses 71-64 to to number one rated, or excuse me, number four rated Marquette in a game that was close until really a couple plays in the second half. I thought Harmon's one-on-four fast break where he turned the ball over coupled with Danger's goaltend took the Illini from right on the cusp and and having the crowd with them to that we're down by seven again and really derailed all the momentum. Brad, am I reading that wrong? Did you see it different because you were there in the building? No, I mean, I think there were some plays where they had opportunities to make plays. Made some, but you remember the plays that weren't very smart. Right. Um, there were a couple of plays, you know, Shannon threw one in the fourth row cross court. Um, Kid was had, open though. Yeah, the guy, the <laughs> fan was. Um, and then you had the play, you know, they come out of the timeout, they run a, a kind of a, a slip screen with the mask back door yep. and he's wide open and Hawkins gets the pass tip. Oso yep. tips that pass. Um, those are the kind of plays that if you're going to beat it, the number four team in the country, you, you can't make or you have to, and you have to convert um, when you get an opportunity, you know, I mean, even, even at the end, you know, they're down um, and they don't take a layup. You know, you mentioned the Rogers thing, but what about the miss layup? Yeah. I mean, Shannon missed a wide open, a left-handed layup. I mean, that's just shot. He makes 90 times, 90, 98 times out of a hundred, whatever. So that's a, and then they come down and they throw one in. That's a tougher shot with a tougher angle and they make it over the top of two guys. So, you know, it's Marquette, give them credit. I mean, I came away more impressed with Mar- Marquette than I am disappointed in Illinois, if that makes sense. I, I think Illinois, I think Marquette is legit a top five team in the country. And I think Illinois is probably a legit top 20, 25 team in the country. And, and there, so right now, Marquette's a better team. And and I, I don't know why this is, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I look at it. This is just, it's not a bad loss. It's just a, it's a loss. It stinks because you had a chance to win, but you have to, you just have to play better next time you take the court. Matt. Yeah, I, I, I agree with sturdy. I think sometimes we don't give people, we don't give the opponent credit. We just want to blame the team that we root for. And I think you got to give the opponent credit. The opponent has really good guards and a really good big and anytime. And, and they're really, really experienced and they like playing with each other. And they have a system and they play to it. And you also, I think they've got an emotional lift from Tyler Kolek actually being able to play and not only being able to play, but play 38 minutes. Um, uh, 
I think that gave them an emotional lift, which is something they needed on the road. So there was that. I, I, I'm frustrated by Illinois' top two players turning it over a combined 10 times. I don't think you're going to beat anybody that's good doing that. And I think that that's got to get corrected. Um, if I'm Brad Underwood and he said it himself, I don't really have a problem with the way Coleman Hawkins is playing. He just can't turn it over five times. And I tend to agree. Um, if I had another concern, I don't think Illinois can shoot 33 threes um, if they're going to shoot it a combined 60 times. I don't think 33 of the 60 field goal attempts can be threes for Illinois and they're going to beat anybody good. I just don't. Um, and so I think that part of what Illinois does is is uh, troubling and it's got to get corrected if they really want to beat good, really, really good teams later on in the year. And And I think that those things are correctable, but I also think that good teams are going to uh, challenge Illinois to do something else um, in order to score and, and not, you know, just chuck, chuck up a three at the end of the shot clock because you haven't run anything. So that's, that's unfortunate, but also, again, I come back to what I said er, first, sometimes you got to give the opponent credit and Marquette's defense forced Illinois to really not be able to run much. And then at the end of the shot clock, you got to just chuck up something and they chucked up 33, 33 threes. So, um, it was a frustrating night for Illinois, but I think that they are uh, they are not a terrible basketball team after what you saw tonight. I think that what you learned is that Marquette's really, really good. Yeah, and I, I look at it, and the part that I guess frustrated me the most um, was the ability that Marquette had in the first half to use, and it was a little bit, and Brad, you you, you and Ket will remember these days, Kedrick Prince just joined us. Uh, I think it reminded me of Loyola Marymount. They did, they had some, some basically once Illinois scored, they used the inbound as a fast break and went down and got themselves in position for easy layups, easy shots. And because Illinois was not really prepared for them to, to literally be down at the other end of the court in two and a half seconds. And and I'd have to go back and watch the game tape, but I, the last I was keeping count, it was at least ten points off of that. You know, if you if you just hustle back on defense and 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 you know, it's something that's so hard to coach people nowadays. But is to every ten minute you're on the court, you should be able to see the basketball. And if you see the basketball every minute that you're on the court, you know it's coming, and you hustle down and you set up defense. We gave them multiple possessions with easy shots that didn't need to be. And if you take those possessions out, all of a sudden down the end, even with some mistakes, you have a chance to be in the game. And the frustrating thing for me was is that that in that case, I think, you know, the and I didn't hear much talk about that. Um, but to me, that was the most frustrating thing. Brad, what were your thoughts on on that one part? Well, I think transition defense is, is difficult. I thought what you saw Illinois do in the second half was jamming the point guard. So if you want to take that away, what you do is you jam that point guard. So your point, you got a guy who's going to go over and slow down that point guard, make him change directions, not go straight up the floor, or, or make that kick ahead pass. Take away that pass on the on the side to the wing. And, and then what it does is now it takes away that that you know that trail man running down the middle. Um, what was happening was, you know, you get one guy down, you know, a guy drives and misses, or even if he scores at the basket, yep. then he's done under the basket. And they're just, the other guys are sprinting down the floor. So the, 
communication is so important there too, you know, talking and taking up a guy, maybe it's not the guy you're supposed to be guarding, but you got to stop the ball, stop the cutter, take away the pass, the paint, you know? Um, and, and so that's where Illinois struggled. I thought they did a much better job in the second half um, or late in the first half, second half, and it yep. changed the game a little bit. It made it difficult, more difficult for Marquette. Um, but, you know, you know, I, I think that was a huge point early in the game. That's how Marquette took control there in the first half a little bit was with the transition opportunities because it was tough for them to score in that court. And, you know, I the one thing I'll say about this game is that the the shot, there are a few, you know, obviously we're, points of paint were hugely in favor of Marquette. Points off turnovers favor Marquette. But here's the stat that is, is people won't realize. Like everybody's talking about how, Illinois didn't move the ball. Illinois didn't run anything. And Marquette ran all this great stuff and all these things. Illinois had eight assists on 21 baskets. Marquette had seven assists on 27 baskets. Marquette played basically ISO basketball. They would get the matchup they wanted. Then they played ISO. And that's how they were able to score. And and Illinois doesn't help off. So they limit the assists. They limit the ball move for the other team. Just because guys made shots, though, it looks like it's like a better offense or something. It wasn't any different. It was the same principle. Um, the way Illinois defends, and, and you know, if they have a guy throwing in, you know, a six-three guard who's able to score, and he was scoring the post mostly, getting the paint and up and under, throw it up and make it. Um, and then you know whether or the big guy, you know, also doing that too as well. So I think that a lot of times we look at these games and we think, you know. I don't know whether our eyes deceive us and maybe we need to rewatch games, but I think emotions get in the way when we're watching these games, we start talking about this happened or this didn't happen. And when you break down the film, it it doesn't look as bad. I mean, I I don't know. I I just think that they had guys make plays, you know, and when they got the ball in the paint and that's the difference in the game. Ed. I think Illinois has some dudes. I mean, it's, you know, they do. I just – I think right now Marquette runs their stuff better. I think they took advantage of mismatches. They knew what they wanted to do. I don't know what you guys talked about before I joined, but I'm going to tell you, a concern for me was just, you know, hypothetically speaking, Illinois looked tired. Tan Shannon was gassed. Coleman Hawkins was gassed. Marcus Domas was gassed. They put a lot of pressure on you. They made it tough. They, I mean, we're at the game, and it is Brad's right. When you go back and watch it, and I'm sure all four of us probably will at some point, you know, stressful time for me, but I'm sitting there just looking. Up. I mean, Terrence Shannon looked like – I mean, Brad's trying to get him to get the ball off the court. He had no energy left. I mean, because, one, he's trying to get offense, but they get into you, and – they jump the ball really, really well. They make it tough for you to pass out of passing lanes. That's shocking smart basketball. And sometimes it's tough for people just to give the other team credit. Illinois has a good team. This team, to me, is one of Brad's better teams. I mean, I think they have all the pieces. I know everybody's going to cry about the point guard. No, Ty Rogers is not your idea point guard. He's serviceable, but he's not killing you at, at the position either. So you got to look at the big picture. I mean, I think – to me, this was a, a a bad loss because going to Tennessee is tough and FAU on a neutral course is going to be tough. These are wins that you need. These quad one wins, and that's what's tough for me right now. Matt? Yeah, I agree with everything Sturdy said, and quite frankly, Ked said. I said earlier, I, I'll repeat myself. I don't think we give, sometimes give the opponent enough credit. 
I think we always want to blame the team we root for. And um, if you're a fan, and and I, I think Marquette deserves a lot of credit for for being experienced, for having a system, for playing to the system, and, and getting it. The only thing I would I would I mean I. I agree with Sturdy that I just I don't think the game plan on both sides was was necessarily bad. I think it was a good game plan. I think um, I don't think Marquette moved the ball all that well. I, I agree. I, they played ISO basketball. They played two on two. They played, you know, this they played pick and roll with two on two stuff. The only counter I have is that I felt like Marquette went got to the rim a lot better, got to the paint a lot better, played downhill a lot more. If I thought Illinois didn't play downhill unless your name was Terrence Shannon tonight. And and I again I I wanna know why if that was if both teams were running their stuff about equally, why did Illinois take twice as many threes as Marquette? And why did Marquette get twice as many layup or dunk attempts than Illinois did? That's and I'm not saying that Illinois ran their stuff unbelievably poorly compared to what Marquette did. I just don't think this Illinois team can beat really, really good teams if 33 of their 60 field goal attempts are coming from three. And and that's that's kind of where offensively it kind of ends with me. And defensively, I kind of agree with Ked. I think at that point, you had guys that were just gassed that couldn't handle Tyler Kolick for as long as they were being asked to do it. And he 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 was able to play 38 minutes, and so that's kind of a problem when he's the Big East Player of the Year, and you're kind of your objective is, hey, stop him from getting downhill and in the paint. Well, that's really really hard to do. Yeah, and and I do think the the some of the challenges that you know Shaka teaches a good aggressive defense, and Illinois most of their motion starts at the three-point line and out and you you ended up in a situation where uh, for the life of me um i i like to use a guy you know in the paint uh, you know like even free throw line extended to to help break down the the uh defense some and i would have liked to seen a little bit of that but for the most part um i, I think there's probably something to be said for the fact that Marquette's running back a roster that's pretty similar to what they had last year. And Illinois is integrating a group of guys and coach Underwood admittedly is still trying to figure out who plays with whom. And I think that also is something that will take some time, probably gives Illinois more upward mobility in terms of improving their team. Um, because I think Marquette has those things ironed out already. Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think Marquette has four or five starters returning. So it's the same system. They return the Big East player of the year. I mean, that that's a pretty good start. I mean, and so they're they're a good team. Illinois has a lot of new guys again. And, and this is something I, I talked about in the uh you know, in the in the pregame. You know, this a lot there's a lot of new faces on Illinois and they have to learn how they're gonna mesh and how they're gonna work together. People have to find their role um within this. Um but I you know, I, I, I agree with I'll, I will disagree a little bit with Matt is I don't mind threes because, you know, that's I'm like an analytics guy. So if they're good threes, I can live with them. The problem is, you know, and, you know, the problem is you got to make sure they're good threes. I mean, there were some there were a couple that I, I did like. and But if you get, you know, if Damascus or Goody get a, get a three or even Terrence, Jan, if they get a three that's open, take it. You know, the, the problem we have is, you know, we're we're getting a lot of threes from guys that maybe shouldn't be shooting them. And Draven Gibbs Lahorn comes in and hoists three. And, and, and I guess they're trying to get instant offense, but I'd, I'd like to see him get downhill, 
he's got the ability to take you off the bounce and, and get to the paint. But what you from Marquette, you know, Illinois doesn't give up threes. That's Brad Underwood's belief is that it's going to be hard to beat him with twos. Um, but Marquette beat him with twos tonight. And they showed that, you know, they could do that. I don't know if there are many teams that are going to do that um, throughout the year. And I, I think that's a good thing um, that, that you have that kind of defense and you, you limit those three-point attempts because that's where runs come from. But um, now you get ready for the next one. I, I'm not – I don't know. I guess I'm not down on this game. I I think there's – you know, fans get two down on one game and two up on one game. You know, after Illinois beat Kansas, they were going to win the national title, go to the Final Four, and now they're – not going to make the NCAA tournament. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Let me ask you a quick question before Ked jumps in, Brad. Is there a better pick and roll combination than Kolek and and Figadero? You know, when you when you uh, look at what they no. were doing out there, I mean, who who <laughs> so else is better? They're fantastic, and let, let me tell you why. Because Oso can also um, he can also uh, he, he's not a pick and pop guy, but he's a pick and pass guy. So. He can set that screen. You can kick if you're helping. So let's say you take away, you know, you you down that ball screen or, or you you play down, you play stay down on that, um, stay flat. Well, now he catches the ball and now he's got all kinds of space and he can find open guys off cutters and off screens and, and there's no help available. And if you don't help on Kolek, you know, you saw what he does. Um, if you do, he's a great passer and he's going to find the open guy and you can rim run, run with Oso. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that's about a per, as perfect a pick and roll combo as you could get. Um, it, it almost it reminds me of a lot when you know you know you remember back when um, you know Illinois had Kofi running rim running. Now yeah. imagine, but th- they always had trouble when when Kofi had a short roll when they trapped the ball screen and they like Loyola game right. Well, also that doesn't that's not a problem. He short rolls, he gets the ball, he's going to make the right pass because yeah. he's a tremendous passer. So this is where. It's a it's a crazy uh crazy good um fit within the Marquette system. They've got the right guys, the right pieces in place. You can't, you know, to me, you got to get again. I just said this, but that the way they run it, and they've been together for three years. I mean, this isn't new to them, and and they're comfortable with each other. There was one time when Kolek threw a ball away, and you know, Shaka got. Bad. I'm like, look, man, you know, I, I know, you know, you're all about perfection and every coach wants every play, but they just look really, really good. And you know what? I, I, yes, you know, a Big East player of the year, you know, I personally, this is me. I'm not disappointed with Terrence Shannon. I, I think he's probably the Big Ten player of the year. If I had to vote today from what I've seen, you know, not just on tonight's game, I think it would be him. I'm impressed with him. You know, Illinois just, they lost to a much better oil well machine tonight. Give them time, and I I don't know very many people. I don't think the I think the players were disappointed, but tonight I the only thing that upset me, like I said, to you, was just the fact that it's a quad one win because this team is good. I mean, I want to see them take advantage of their mismatches. Here's what I really want to see, and I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. Coleman Hawkins is pressing. They can lie to anybody they want. I don't care who's listening to this podcast. They can't tell me he's not. I would do what they did late in the year last year. Get him on the block and let him punish people. They found that to work when they, you know, at Penn State. Then they did a little bit of it in the tournament against Arkansas. Get him in the paint. Get him some confidence. Yes, he played good against Kansas, but he's pressing right now. And I'll tell you another guy who I really like, 
and I Shaka Smart was really upset with his team. Marcus Domask is a master on the block. I would utilize things like that. If teams are going to pick and roll you, then you utilize those isolation matchups because Coleman is a pretty good matchup on the block. But And I understand they want him to pass and do those things, but he's pressing. And they need he needs something good to happen for him, whether it be a lot of free throws, a lot of easy putbacks, because him being on the perimeter right now and not scoring, it, it did hurt. We can say that it didn't, but it really did hurt not having him be effective on the offensive end of the floor. I agree with practically everything that Ked said about Coleman Hawkins. And there was points in the game where you could not have him on the floor. And it wasn't just the, – the confusing stuff on offense continues to happen. And that's – that's I've seen that – we've all seen that for three years in bits and pieces. Um, but if he – you know, there are times like, again, it's it's again, the bits and pieces stuff happens all the time with Coleman. And then he yeah, he's struggling and then he allows his offensive struggles to affect what he's doing on the defensive end of the floor. And he got cooked in pick and roll. And I mean, I, I, I say that and I agree with what Cag said is that I, I do think that is the best pick and roll combination that Mar- in the nation that Marquette rolls out there. But if you're Coleman Hawkins, you can't get cooked every time in that. You, you you have to figure out a way to defend it. And um, again, like, so if he's not good defensively, he's got to give you something on the defensive end. And, and that didn't happen um, quietly and quite enough tonight either. So um, there were times where you just couldn't have Coleman on the floor. That might be your second or third best option on this team. And that can't happen. I mean, I, I, I I don't have a problem with what Brad Underwood said. I don't think they have – I don't think this staff necessarily has an extreme problem with the what Coleman is trying to do. But except for you look at his box, and he cannot have five turnovers. You cannot get ten turnovers from Terrence Shannon and, and Coleman Hawkins. And I don't care if the game is at State Farm Center, on the moon. I don't care. You're not going to beat a really quality basketball team. And that's, that's what Illinois got tonight. So um, – you know, the frustration over Coleman continues, but it, it's it's correctable. And there are going to be some nights like the Kansas game. I agree with Sturdy that Coleman's just going to look fantastic. So I don't know if you just got to ride the roller coaster that is Coleman Hawkins for, for this next another season, but maybe you do because there I think there are going to be nights where where that where Coleman Hawkins is the reason you win basketball games. So so Brad, one question for you is with the size that Illinois has. If Dane Danger is not playing well or struggling, and and you have Coleman Hawkins out there, well, what do, what are you forced to do as a coach? Do you go with, you know, Gary Ayers, your big guy, or do you? I mean, you bring in the freshman Hansberry because if Dane's struggling and Coleman's struggling, I, I I'm I'm wondering what options Underwood has. Well, I I thought tonight the play would have been to use Gary A at the five. They tried Hansberry, and you know, obviously, he he struggled a little bit, especially in pick and rolls. And um, he'll get better. He's going to be a really good player. It's going to yep. take time. Um, and, and then they tried Dane, and you know, just I they were grasping there at that point. They he put Dane in, and thinking that I, you know, that maybe make a difference. He did, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, uh, so it became. But I, I think I would have used Gary eight to five. I, I really, I think against a team like this that really wasn't necessarily i mean their their post guy obviously he's but he's not like a great scorer i mean he scored some points tonight but he's not a guy that they're gonna dump it in and he's gonna get 25 points 
Um, and and the thing is, he used strength, and, and that's Quincy's best attributes. He's so physically strong that I think he could have held position and done a done just as good a job. And then you put him on offense. The problem is that on offense, and this is where we run into this whole you know point guard thing. They run so much offense through Coleman Hawkins. So much of their offense is handoffs from him, his passes on cuts and using him as a release that when you don't have him on the floor, I, I, I think it does stagnate the offense a little bit at times. So, you know, that's a that's a problem, too. And that's something they got to figure out. Um, I do like what people when Ked was talking about it and Matt agreed with. I like using different guys in the post. If you're going to have Coleman be a space out five, they need to post when they like Tyler Kolek tonight should have had to defend um, Ty Rogers in the post yep. or Marcus Damask in the post or, you know, or whatever. I mean, whoever he was guarding should have been able to post up on him and then you make him work. And we talk about getting worn down. That's how you wear him down, run him off screens, make him work. I mean, these are things that you do. You know, we we all know this. What if what if they what are you trying to do with Steph Curry when he's on the Warriors? Is you try and wear him down by making him chase guys on defense too, and run then after run around on offense. I mean, that's the whole that's part of the game, and I, I think that's where Illinois could have made um, could have made an adjustment there, and and I would have used Gary eight to five. I want to probably, you know, you guys are all going to disagree with me, but I'm sorry. I don't think Dane hurt him. He didn't play long enough. Who cares if he turned the ball over? The three of us, four of us, just said Coleman Hawkins had five or whatever, Tanner Shannon had five. I personally, me personally, I would have played him. Put him in drop coverage because they attacked Coleman Hawkins in the post. I don't know who the beat writer was sitting next to me, two seats next to me. It was Milwaukee. And he said to me they were following the game plan because they felt that was their 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 mismatch was to punish Coleman. Because Dane is much more physical. He's a better shot blocker. Yeah, we've he's done he's goaltended. And you know what? Yeah, they're smaller and they were small. Dane is not you know really, really quick or fast, but I think he would have gave them something in the post where they could have gotten foul trouble. It was just too easy. You're not gonna body Dane the way you can body Coleman. I would have played him. I don't care if he turned the ball over once. How is it any different than what the other kids did, the other players? Because they didn't have anything inside other than really Marcus Domas. You can't be a donut team like that. If you got a weapon on your team, give him the minutes and see if he does it. Because if he turns it over and yes, he put it on the floor and, and, and they, you know, they came from the blind side. Guess what? I think in the first half, Coleman had the basketball. It was kind of, you know, Draymond gives Longhorn's fault. He's holding the ball out front. Instead of chinning it, they came right behind him and took the basketball. How is that any different than what Dane did? Because I don't see it. I'm not saying he would have won the game, but I would have made it a hell of a lot harder for them to score me in, in the post because they went to that well way too many times. Uh, I know why they didn't play Dane. I think Ked knows why they didn't play Dane too. Um, but I don't necessarily disagree with Ked's point. I just know that Dane was out there doing – I mean, I'm not saying that it was any different than the 10 turnovers that Terrence had and that Coleman had. My my concern about playing Dane in a game like this is that, um, you know, he he he. there's three concerns. One is that I just don't think stylistically this was a game for Dane. 
maybe I'm wrong. Two, he does a lot of basketball dumb things. I'm not saying he is dumb. I'm saying he does a lot of basketball dumb things that I know just absolutely annoy the hell out of this coaching staff. And three, I felt like if you leave him in in the final stretch of this game, every time, let's say, like, sturdy, or, uh, Kagley, you were talking about kind of trying to get him, like, foul line extended and and – yeah, you can't. You know, but you can't do that with him. Yeah, right. Because every time he gets handed the basketball, they were going to foul him. Like Marquette was. Martinet knows the scouting report, and I think every time he touched the basketball, they were he was going to get fouled, and they were going to try to send him to the foul line. And we kind of all know how that kind of can go for Dane. So those are my concerns. But like Illinois lost, so you know what the hell, right? Um, but the the fact of the matter is, is that yeah, I mean, the, the, you can try Dane. You know, when Coleman is struggling, the fact of the matter is, is that Coleman can't struggle against really, really good teams if Illinois is going to beat really, really good teams. That's the fact of that's the that's the part of this thing that nobody really wants to talk about. But like we walked into this year thinking this Coleman's going to be the second banana or at worst, the third banana on this team, knowing he can't play awful. And I don't know if he played awful tonight, but he can't play below average in order to beat teams like Marquette. I don't care again where the game is being played, and 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 I think even Coleman would admit he played below average tonight at, at certain points, and so Illinois takes an L against a really really high level elite team like Marquette. So let's go around the horn for uh, final thoughts, but we'll do reverse order. Matt, what are your final thoughts on this game? Marquette's really really good. I think Illinois is good, and I think a lot of the things that they did tonight are correctable, but. I, I think there are things that they did tonight that they cannot repeat if they're going to beat really, really good teams and they still have really, really good teams left on their schedule. Ked's mentioned it. They got FAU on a neutral court. Uh, they've got the bragging rights game. Uh, they've got, you know, uh, they've got Tennessee on the road. Um, they play like they did tonight, especially down the stretch. I don't think that they can beat win any of those games. But tonight is not a guarantee that they're going to do that down the stretch in every game because I think this Illinois team does have talent. They do have good players, and I think they have older guys that they can rely on, and I think that there's a lot of things that you can be encouraged by with this team because I do agree with Ked that I think that this is one of Underwood's at least more talent. I don't know if it's their more talented team, but I think this coaching staff trusts this team a heck of a lot more than they have in the last maybe previous last year's team and maybe even a couple of years ago too. Ed. I want to see – I want them to stay true to their offense, and I'm cool with that. You know, like I said to you, I've coached AAU, and I have coached in high school. I stay true to my principles, and Brad, I'm not Brad Underwood, but I would really try to exploit some of my mismatches. This team is tall. I think they're athletic. They are going to have a mismatch somewhere on, on the court. And like I mentioned, Mar Marcus Damask, and Brad made the comment, and he's right. Ty Rogers would have been a guy. I would have wore Kolek down. He did not have to. Even you know what? Ty Rogers is you know got four or five inches on him. He would have scored multiple points in in the paint. It would have probably forced them to change their defense. But if he just has to run down the court, you know, work through a pick and roll and have somebody head to slip screens. That's not working for, for him. I would really try to expose some of my mismatches, you know, regardless of what player it is. But I think the one guy I would do it with is Marcus because he can shoot free throws as well. So if you foul him, you're going to do that. I don't think that's Terrence Shannon's game to put a block. 
He's good in the open court. Marcus Domas is the X factor. That kid is a really, really good basketball player. And, I mean, I don't know how he got out of Wisconsin because they made a huge mistake. That kid's really, really good. Even when he's not scoring, and Matt mentioned it, you got to do something else. I don't care. Terrence Shannon turned the ball over five times, but he gave some offense, and he played great defense. That's my final take. Yeah, I, I agree with everything um, that you guys said. I The one thing I would say is, you know, you, you grow from it, you learn from it, you find out who fits in certain roles. It's amazing. I'm, I'm going to go go home and watch the film again, watch the tape, and, and kind of get a different perspective and kind of be able to break things down. But I, I really – I like Illinois. I think they're good. I, I think Marquette's just really impressed me tonight. They're better than I thought they were. Um, they have the Big East Player of the Year and the from last year and the preseason Player of the Year, and he, he played big. And, you know, Terrence Shannon was – he had 21 points. He was okay, but he didn't have his best game. And so that's, you know, I guess that's the next step is they, they need the other guys to kind of step up on the offensive end um, besides, you know, Goody Damask and hitting threes. But they need Coleman Hawkins to score. They need Quincy Garrier to score. They need, you know, and they need to make those kind of winning plays. You know, against Kansas, it seemed like Illinois made winning plays. And they didn't make those tonight. They didn't, you know, loose balls getting tipped around. They didn't secure rebounds. They didn't, uh, you know, just little things that just led to Marquette getting uh, extra opportunities and getting the win. But I, I'm not down on Illinois at all. I think they're about right at 23 right now. I think they have the upside to get be a Sweet 16 team. But now they just got to keep getting better, and they've got some time before they uh, head to Rutgers. Um, I think that's probably the next really uh, difficult game. Uh, and then they get Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, and then Missouri. So this is uh, the, that's why it gets hard. You got to grow over the next few games and, and find out how you know how you're going to play. This team is is looking. That, of course, they'll be back in action on Friday night against Valpo, and uh, that will give them another opportunity. Return to, of the Rev. Yes, the Rev will be back. So we've got another opportunity for a team to get better. I think there's there's plenty of things for to work on, and I do think the meshing of the team is important. So we will be back, of course, with coverage. We will we will be doing the same thing after the Valpo game. And, of course, then we'll do our coverage the next day as Illinois plays Iowa and has that huge game in Iowa City that, that could keep Illinois' hopes alive, the very faint hopes alive of winning the Big Ten West, could could still be be there after the game on, on Saturday. And we'll – we will give you all the information building up to the games tribe to com, because that's where you get Brad's stories, Ked's stories and Matt's stories, $99 a year, same cost. It was when we started this place, we have not let inflation pop it up. We'd love to have you as subscribers. And of course we have our message board where you can get Questions you can ask Brad or Ked or Matt or Larry or myself questions about specific things. And you can ask that of other subscribers and it gets quite spirited, but it's a lot of fun. So we'll be right back after this. Whether you live in Champaign or Chicago, halfway across this great nation or halfway across the planet, IlliniGuys.com keeps you in the know. Whether it's game results or what's going on in recruiting behind the scenes, IlliniGuys.com covers it. Only $99 a year, and you get a free seven-day trial to kick the tires. Go to IlliniGuys.com 
click the register button that's right next to the seven-day free trial, and we'd love to have you as a subscriber. IlliniGuys.com. Thank you so much to Kedrick Prince, Matt Stevens, and Brad Sturdy for taking some time to talk about the game. Thank you for listening to us. Do us a favor. If you get an opportunity, share this podcast with a, with a Illini fan friend and see if you can spread the news. Illini guys are out there and we want to get as many people involved as we can. And we appreciate your support until next time. Go Illini.